Baking a mystery, we're back. Today we're making a pumpkin puree poke cake because it is officially Spooktober, spooky booby season, and I'm gonna be trying to do more baking and mysteries in the month of October, especially if the books are this good. I am so excited. Whether you guys are listening on Rotten Mango or watching the visuals, in case you're just listening on Miss Mango Butt on YouTube, welcome. I hope this is a cozy corner for all of you because today's book is called No Exit. That also means you cannot exit this video until you finish it. This is an intense one. Now, I don't even know where to go with this. It's the premise of everybody is trapped together. So it's 13 hours, there's a bunch of strangers, and you guys are trapped at a rest stop in the middle of winter, snowed in, and there's one human trafficker, one kidnapped kid, and you were trying to figure out who the hell kidnapped this kid, where are they going, they, you can't call the cops, 911 isn't working, what do you do? and you only have like 14 hours left at this rest stop. The minute that they drive away, I mean, let's be real, are the cops gonna find this kid? Probably not. So this is gonna be really, really intense. I'm just gonna get the cake batter started, and when I say cake batter, I mean boxed. <laughs> so this is the story of Darby. Now Darby goes to CU Boulder. She's a sophomore at that college, and she lives in Colorado. So that's where she goes to school, and she was born and raised in Utah. Now this is Christmas break. It's snowing in Colorado. It's snowing in Utah, I believe, and she's making a random drive all the way from Colorado to Utah to go visit her mom. And we kind of open the scene with her already driving in the snow, and she's just kind of having like this monologue moment. She's like ranting a little bit. And she said it's so frustrating because she never got along with her mom, and she found out via text yesterday from her older sister, Devin, that her mom has pancreatic cancer. Via text, she said, come back home, mom has pancreatic cancer. And she's just replaying that text in her head while she's driving and she's like obviously so this morning I came out of here in a rush you know uh, she was trying to go from Colorado to Utah in one day like that's an extensive road trip so she's trying to get there by 8 p.m. because not only does her mom have pancreatic cancer but her mom is literally going into surgery tonight so she wants to go there and you know what she read about pancreatic cancer on Google it just wasn't looking good you know she says it's one of those things where you really people get diagnosed with it late typically and so by the time that they find out that they have pancreatic cancer, it's, she said the odds were not good. So she was kind of freaking out a little bit while she's driving. She has her phone with her, which is at like 30% battery. She forgot her freaking phone charger. She's just a mess. Like she's literally a mess. She used to live in Utah. So I guess there's not as much snow over there as Colorado. And so she's like, I don't even have chains on my tires. Yeah, really intense foreshadowing. We know what's about to happen. So she's freaking out all of this. She's driving her old Honda since she was in high school and she named it Blue. And she's like, you know, I know Blue's gonna get me to Utah. My mom's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be fine. That's when she hits a cement block of snow. <laughs> I didn't know this, but apparently snow can get as hard as cement when it's really jam-packed as it's falling. And so she runs into a block of snow and her windshield riper that was working so hard the past couple of hours during this drive just fell off of her car. So her windshield wiper is gone. And she's like, what the fork am I supposed to do? So she's literally sitting in her car looking around. All she sees is like a sea of snow. Like everything is just covered in snow. It's almost already six 
o'clock. She's supposed to be in Utah by 8 o'clock, but it looks like she's going nowhere. Like, there's no way she can drive without a windshield wiper when it's a snowstorm. They called it Snowmageddon in the, in the book. So she's freaking out. She's like, what do I do, dude? That's when she sees two signs. The first sign, um, <laughs> they used to do this in certain parts of Georgia that I used to live in, which was, um, I don't think they do it in LA because it wouldn't work, but they have like, since the last accident, do you know what I'm saying? If you guys are listening, the audio version, I'm opening pumpkin. That's why it sounds so crazy. It says like blank days since the last accident, usually in like accident heavy areas. And so this one said 365 days since the last accident. And she's like, okay, this is like a freaking anniversary sign. Like she almost felt like it was God slapping her around in the face. Like this kind of forked up. Like, what is this? Was this meant to be? Like, I'm just supposed to die here. And then the next sign said rest stop ahead. So she's like, okay, I'm just gonna have to make it to the rest stop. There's nothing I can do so she gets back into her car she's like has her window open she's got one little mitten out and she's doing a little circle and then she drives through the little circle because she can't see her windshield's broken then it would get snowy and then she'd stick her hand out again and then a little circle and she would just skr skr through the little circle like it was a little peephole and she said it was so insane like it's this peephole into just snow like a snow globe and finally she approaches the rest stop and she's like i don't even know how i made it she doesn't even care for looking for parking. She's like, listen, no one's going to see a goddamn parking line in this rest stop until summer. Like, it's just snowed in. So she just parks next to a car, and she just hopes that it's a parking spot. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a handicapped spot, but, like, what can she do? So she parks next to this gray van. Never a good sign. <laughs> she parks next to this gray van, and she sits in her Honda, and she just thinks about life. She sits in her car, and she's like, what? why am i here like how did i get here i have never done a drive like this i should have just flown but the tickets were expensive last minute and i just want to talk to my mom mm-hmm. so she looks up at her phone she's like Fuck, i forget my iphone charger like i'm literally a mess i'm stranded at this restaurant she's looking at her phone and there's no service she's like okay that's fine usually rest stops are known for having wi-fi so she can just pop in hop up on the wi-fi call her sister devin and be like hey like how's mom's surgery going i'm stuck at this rest stop i'm gonna try my best to get there you know what i'm thinking i'm thinking when the recipe said add a can of pumpkin puree to boxed cake i think they also meant add the normal ingredients that you would add to boxed cake as well because she looking clumpy (laughs) so uh i'm gonna get those ingredients don't you go anywhere (laughs) so anyway she's sitting in her car she's freaking out about this so she goes inside and she sees a wi-fi sign and that's when right under it she sees an old grumpy man by the name of ed we find out his name later but he's just a grumpy dude he's like you trying to get wi-fi and she's like yeah obviously why am i staring at the wi-fi sign and he was like nah it's too expensive i wouldn't pay for it if i were you and then he was like bad financial mistake and she was like i really don't care what you have to say like i'm gonna pay for the wi-fi i'm gonna call my mom Sounds like an hour conversation. <laughs> yeah. and then he's like well they have like a monthly plan and then she's like what's wrong with you it's fine that's when she realizes her phone can't even find the wi-fi and he stares at her and he says karma huh because she was being snappy with him so she's like god jesus like i hate it here and that's when she's like okay well grumpy old ed do you have a phone i can borrow and he says nah i'm not getting wi-fi either and so then she's like fuck right and that's when a guy behind her a much younger guy by the name of ashley that we're gonna call ash for today's video not because his name is confusing because it's supposed to be a girl's name they have like the whole segment on it on the in the book she's like that's a girl's name and he was like no it's not (laughs) so we're just gonna call him ash because there's a lot of names in this one ash is like hey i know where you can get service 
And so she turns around and she's like, okay, where? And he's like, well, you have to go outside. So she follows him outside and there's something called the nightmare children, which are these statues outside of this rest stop. And they just look like nightmare children. Like it's a bunch of children, statues of them, but it's like this artistic expressionist thing where they take out just chunks of the children randomly. So it'll be a kid playing soccer, but his rib cage is exposed. And she's like, this is really creepy. And he said, yeah, I got service here last time. This was the only place I could get service. And she's like, okay, cool, thanks, right? And he's just kind of like looking around and he's like, um, these are called the nightmare children. And he's just weird. It seems like he's hitting on her kind of awkwardly. And she's like, okay, thanks. Like I have bigger things to worry about. And he was like, and that mountain right there is called Melanie's mountain. Um, a husband named it after his wife, Melanie. And that's romantic, right? And she's like, Maybe it's not. Maybe he thinks that she's literally unlivable and just cold. And she just was annoyed. Like, don't talk to me. I want to talk to my mom. My mom has cancer. I'm not supposed to be on this road trip. Why are you freaking talking to me? Like, this is not no Tinder date, dude. Get the message. And that's when she's just kind of blowing him off. And he was like, uh, well, I, you're going to be okay, right? I'm, can I go inside? It's kind of cold. So she's like, whatever. She spends the next 20 minutes on her phone trying to get service. It was at 22% and she could not find a single bar. So she's like, God, this sucks, right? She's walking back and as she's walking back, she's thinking about her options. Like, what should I do? Should I go into my car and just sit there? Then she would run out of gas. So even if the snow ended up clearing, like where is she gonna go without gas? And then she could just sit in there without the car turned on, but then she would literally freeze to death. Like it's so cold. Or she could go into the rest stop where they have free coffee free heat but just sit there with a bunch of annoying strangers <laughs> so she was like at this point I don't really care so she just decides to go into the rest stop now as she's passing her car she's also walking in between her car and the gray van that was parked right next to her and that's when she's walking she takes a peek inside and she sees a glimpse of a tiny little hand grabbing what looks like a cage like a little doll hand. And then she's like, wait, did I see that right? And she tries to look again, but the hand is gone. But it looked like it was almost kind of curved around a cage, so it didn't look like a doll was just laying there. So she was like, what was that? So she walks back into the rest stop and she's like, oh my God, did someone kidnap a kid? Is there a kid in that person's van? And she's like, okay, tone it down, Darbs. You might be sleep deprived. Like, we don't know. And she's like, okay, like this could definitely be from all of the misery that I'm feeling. So while she was thinking about everything going on, you know, she did mention that the last time that she talked to her mom was on Thanksgiving break. Now it's Christmas break. So it had been about a month and she was on the phone with her mom and she said something along the lines of, you're the reason that dad left us. And if I could choose between you or dad, I would choose dad in a heartbeat every single time. Like she was really mean to her mom. So now she's like, what do I do? Like I can't even tell my mom I love her before her surgery. Like she was just really upset and she's thinking, you know, maybe all of this feeling is making me envision a kid hand. And she gets back into the rest stop and she's like, wait a second. There is no way that my sadness from my mom's cancer is making me envision that there's a kidnapped child. Like that's not even correlated. And then she starts panicking. What does that even mean? Like, what do I do? I'm literally stuck at this rest stop. There's a bunch of people I've never met before and one of them has a kid in their car. What does that mean for me? So she walks back into the rest stop and she's like, okay, I need to think smart. There's no way I can just bust up in that bit and be like, hey, who owns this gray van? Because when you're dealing with a child kidnapper, you're not talking about some dude that's gonna be like, ah, oh, that's uh, me. Oh, you know about my kidnapping? 
Just keep it on the DL, boo-boo. Just keep it on the DL. Oh, you want to save her? Let me just give her to you. There's no way that's going to happen. So she can't give up her advantage of knowing that there's a kidnapped kid. So she decides to become a little Sherlock Holmes. She walks into that rest stop and she's like, so what's everyone doing? Now, Ed and Ash, they were playing Go Fish with their cards. And Sandy, who was Ed's wife, just showed up out of the bathroom and she was reading a murder mystery book suspicious <laughs> and so she's like okay hmm, very fascinating wait a second that doesn't make sense when she counted there were four cars there was a car buried in snow there was a red pickup truck there was her car and the gray van most likely ed and sandy who are married drove together so who did the other car belong to that's when she feels breathing right behind her neck and she slowly turns around and she sees the most hideous man she's ever seen. Honestly, he was ugly. So she calls him Rodent Face. I mean, he's got scratches all up on his face. He looks like he's been to war. He looks like he went through some shit. And so she's like, oh God, he looks like a walking Amber Alert. Like he looks like a kidnapper. This has to be the dude. She's like, no way, Jose. And so she's sitting there and she's like, gosh, these idiots are playing cards when they don't even know that there's a kidnapper here. And then she's thinking, how do I know he's a kidnapper? Like, yeah, okay, maybe looks are one thing, but what if it's Ed? What if it's Ash? What if it's f***ing Sandy? It's always the girl. You never suspect the girl, but it could be the girl. So she's like, okay, there's nothing I can do. She immediately sits down furthest away from everyone. So they've got the two dudes playing cards. You've got Sandy reading her book. And then you've got Lars, who is rodent face, who's just standing by the door, just guarding the door almost. So she thinks that's so weird. She immediately just pretends to be texting on her phone and she hits 911 and tries to dial, tries to dial, no service. She can't even get the emergency line. So then she sends a text to 911 that says, child abduction, gray van, gave the license plate and gave the rest stop off of which highway she was at and it said unable to send so she's freaking out she's like what the fork is going on and she's like who could it be first of all ashley he he's nice he's younger he's a little bit muscular maybe he could be the kidnapper he was a little bit like weird you know like he was very friendly but almost in like a fake way maybe it's him maybe it's ed and Sandy, maybe they're not even married. They don't even act like they're married. They act like they don't even like each other. Maybe it's all a ruse. Maybe they pretend they're a married couple so that it wouldn't be weird to have a kid. Or it could be walking Amber alert. Who could it be? So you've got the four people that she's suspecting and she doesn't know what to do. She can't contact 911. She has no idea what's gonna happen and that's when she hears some buzzing. The emergency radio in the rest stop is going off and it said, listen, it's about to be eight to 10 hours before any snow plowing can be done on the major highways. So if you guys shelter in place, if you're at a rest stop, shelter in place. If you're on the road, find a place to shelter in place because it's about to be snowmageddon. Like it's not looking good for anyone. There's no emergency services. If you get stuck in the snow there ain't no firefighters coming shirtless to help you today okay you gotta wait 10 hours so they're like looking at each other like holy short guys we're all stuck with each other and that's when the creepy rodent face says well i'm lars since we're all stuck here all night and it just got so awkward like everyone in the room was like 
Oh, hey, Lars. Like, it just, they, he was weird. He gave off a weird vibe. So she's like, maybe it is him. And he starts just drinking hot cocoa. She starts downing coffee. I mean, there's just such palpable, tense energy in this rest stop. She's drinking all the coffee that she can. She already drank like six Red Bulls on her drive because she wanted to make it to Utah. So she's just caffeinated. She starts sketching Lars while he's just standing in the doorway. She's on her journal trying to take a picture of him like on a sketchbook because she's like, listen, the minute that this rest stop is over and he drives out of here, I gotta give this to the news station. I gotta give this to the police. You know, she starts sketching what she thought looked like the hand and shit. And then she's like, okay. I'm losing my marbles. I gotta go. I gots to go. So she puts her book down and she starts talking to the people. And within 20 minutes, she finds out that Ash was headed towards, I forget where, but he was the one in the buried car. He got there first. He wanted to take a quick nap in his car and then he got snowed in. And then Ed and Sandy, they were also driving to Denver because Ed was going to go see his estranged family. And Ed and Sandy are weird because they're not married. They're cousins. But it's not a sweet home Alabama moment. It was just, she just for some reason assumed that they were married and they weren't they were cousins and then Lars is just kind of sitting there quietly so obviously she knows that that's his car so she verified the yeah. other two cars mm -hmm. um. so she already knows it's his car and he's just staring at her the whole time so she's like why is he staring at me does he know that I peeked into his car like what's going on so she starts kind of freaking out she's like what do i do should i just blurt it out loud because then it would be four against one but then at the same time like when you're talking about a kidnapper they could just kill everyone like they're not the type to be like oh no what do i do now guys help me i'm a psychopath so she's like okay that's not cool either and what if one of them like if i just tell sandy and she just goes berserk you know she gets so paranoid and freaked out we don't want any freaking out in this snowmageddon when they're snowed in together so she's just okay what do i do what do i do she starts pacing in her brain and that's when she sees lars drink his third cup of hot cocoa so she's like this is good because he's gonna pee soon and when he pees i'm gonna go back into that van and i gotta i gotta make sure because if i am not sure and i act on this if i try to kill him if i try to tell people that he's a child abductor when there's just a weird barbie in his car that's gonna be a really awkward 10 hours, you know? Yeah. So she's like, okay, this is good. I gotta go back when he goes to the restroom, peek into his car, verify this information, and then I'll figure out the rest. So he goes to the restroom and then she does the stupidest thing ever. And she said as she was doing it, she didn't know why she did this. She just felt like she needs to make a cup of hot cocoa for the little girl that's in the van. I don't know why she just assumed the little girl, if there was a little girl, would want a cup of hot cocoa. And then as she's even pouring the hot cocoa, she's like, I'm literally wasting my time, right? So she gets the cup of hot cocoa and she's like guys i'm gonna go call my mom again at the statues i'll be back she runs out she runs all the way to the statues and now the snow is like up to her knees so when i say run she's like just stomping around it's not a brisk run and she goes to the statues pretends to look at her phone and then she's like okay now i'm gonna reroute to the cars in the front and pretend to look inside my car and then that's when i'll kind of peer in there and just kind of like be hidden so she makes her way over there and she sees lars exit the bathroom and so she's like so she drops her hot cocoa. She's like, whatever, it's going to freeze. It's not even going to leave a mark. And she runs to the van and she starts looking through the window. And she says, hey, hey, if there's anyone here, say something. Say something. It's okay. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to call the police, but you have to say something. Why don't you say so? Anyways, she's like, say something. Nobody's saying anything. She said, okay, I'm going to talk. I'm going to count to 60. It's okay. If you're in there, just say something. She counts from one to 60. 
nothing but she's like okay no i know there was a kid in there i know i'm not losing my mind so she grabs her phone and she turns on her phone flashlight and she shines it into the car that's when she sees what looks to be a girl who's probably eight or nine years old with matted hair duct taped mouth in a dog kennel and she's so shocked that she drops her phone and it was getting a little bit darker outside now at this point that light coming from the outside can be seen from inside the rest stop but she was kind of hidden in the shade before her flashlight and the flashlight shined directly at the rest stop so she dove into the snow grabbed it she could already sense that people were looking outside because maybe they thought it was like an emergency truck a snow plow machine whatever right a snow plow machine so she's freaking out she goes to the other side of the van and she tries to open the rear doors obviously they don't open then she goes to the passenger side of the van and somehow she shimmies it open what yeah, so what we know about Darbs is that she was a kind of a wild child when she was younger, so she actually knows how to open old car doors with shoelaces because that's how she stole her mom's car all the time to sneak out of the house. So she did the same shoelace trick with this car and she got into the van. Let me just pour this beautiful pumpkin cake batter into here. This looks so pumpkin-y, doesn't it? What is that, cake batter? It's cake, pumpkin cake now. Throw it into the oven. Will you set a 25 minute timer, sir? So she gets into the van and she sees the girl. And she's like, holy shit. She's able to maneuver herself from the front seat of this van to the back where the kennel is. Now in between the back and the rear door, there's this little space. So she manages to get there, put her hand into the kennel and ripped the duct tape off the little girl's mouth. She was like, it's gonna hurt girl. And she ripped it off and she said, what's your name? And she said, my name is Jay. And she said, okay, Jay, um, you know, do you know who took you? Do you know who it is? And she says, I've never met him before. And so she's like, okay, okay, um, where are you from? She gives her street address and she said, okay, but that doesn't mean anything. We're at a rest stop, where are you from? And she says, I'm from San Diego. You're in, you're in Colorado right now, like where, are you, why are you, she's confused. And she says, yeah, I don't know what happened. I, they took me from my house. It's been days. And so she's like, okay. She also sees that her hand is duct taped and she asks Jay, Jay, did they hurt you? She says, yes. He hurt me like it's looking bad like she's this is not no parental kidnapping this is uh probably some sort of nasty assault thing that's gonna happen so she starts freaking out and she's like okay i'm gonna get you out of here before he comes out and that's when lars comes out and he opens the front door and he starts playing the music he starts turning on the heater and he's talking to jay so the kennel is here lars is here in the front and behind the kennel because the kennel's pretty tall the dog kennel she's laying here between the rear doors and she's covering himself er, herself in a blanket that was in the back and he's just playing music talking to jaybird he calls her jaybird and it's just a really creepy conversation and meanwhile darby in the back she's getting angry she's getting so angry she's like i could literally slit this dude's throat right now because of how evil this is like imagine hearing a kidnapper talk to an eight-year-old girl and call her jaybird and like say things like yeah i came in here to play some songs for you jaybird and jaybird is just like in the kennel and she's not saying anything because she's supposed to have duct tape on her mouth and she also sees darby sees that inside the back of the truck there are five gallons of gasoline buckets of cleat bleach like those gallon bottles of bleach and just a ton of other
So she's like, oh God, like whatever is happening to this little girl is not going to be good. Like this is not going to be a little, this is a whole kidnapping happening. So then finally, after about 20 minutes, Lars leaves the truck because he was just heating it up so that Jaybird doesn't die essentially, like doesn't freeze to death. And he goes back into the rest stop and she gets out, opens the rear doors. She gets her phone out, takes a couple pictures of Jay inside of the cage and tells her, it's gonna be okay. I'm gonna save you. I'm gonna get you out of here. And she had already put the duct tape back on her mouth, Jay, cause she's really smart. And that's when she holds out her hand and she was like, okay, like, Am I going to shake on it? Am I making a deal with this kid that I'm going to save her? Like, what's going on? Like, she just, like, is that proper? And then that's when she's like, okay, no, kids are a lot more smarter than I think. So she reaches over to the hand, and she gets dropped a tiny little piece of metal. And it's a bullet. And so she asked Jay, did you find this in his van? Jay nodded. And she realized, well, a course Lars has a gun like why wouldn't a kidnapper have a gun like she was so annoyed that she didn't have a gun in this moment the only thing that she had in this moment was one of those stupid multitask corkscrew swiss army you know what i'm talking about you can corkscrew a wine and then have also a knife attached to it that's all she had in her freaking pocket and this dude has a whole on gun how the hell is she gonna save this kid so she says okay it's gonna be okay she reaches into her pocket and she pulls out her pocket knife and gives it to jaybird and says you just keep trying to get out of here okay go like this promise you're gonna go like this like back and forth on the metal wiring because i mean it's not like an intense cage it's like one of those kennels that you would see at the vet so she says just keep going like this just keep going nonstop. I'll be back and I'm gonna save you. Cause you know, the kennel was also padlocked. There were some zip ties on it. So there was no way that she was just gonna open it with her little thumbs. So she goes back into the rest stop. And again, they're on their millionth game of go fish. Lars is just standing there watching everyone. Sandy's reading her murder mystery book. The same thing as she left it, right? She gets back in and she starts sketching some more. She starts sketching of the little girl now because she's like, I mean, yeah, I have a picture, but I need to get like all the details written down just in case. And she starts asking herself very important questions like what's scarier running out of time or having too much time like running out of time so that they just leave now you know it's time for the snow to be plowed so they just leave and she will never see jay again or is it that there's too much time before the police can even come so she's there thinking of all these things and that's when ashley and his little dumb ass Ash starts talking about some crazy shit. He starts showing some card tricks to Ed and Lars is watching him. And Ed is like, so are you a magician or something? He's like, well, I wanted to be a magician and I was really good. Like I got silver medals from magic shows, but um, Ash, right, the young dude. And he's like, I got silver medals from my magic shows. It was really good, but um, they don't pay jack shit. So I went into accounting. So I'm an accountant and that's where the real magic happens with the IRS. And Lars looks at him and goes, so magic's real and she's like please don't because ashley is very sarcastic and she doesn't want to do anything to trigger lars because she can't just say hey ashley you don't know who the fork you're talking to that's a kidnapper dude but ash being the like the dude the young dude that he is he's like yeah magic's real you didn't know that and he's being so annoyingly sarcastic and she's like don't piss this dude off right so she starts freaking out and lars comes over and he sits down and he says oh yeah what can you do and ash says well i can <laughs> cheat death you know <laughs> i can uh, dodge a bullet i can drown and not die like he's being like sarcastic like you know those douchey dudes when you ask them is magic real and instead of being like well it's a practice that you have to do he's being all douchey and lars looks at him and goes 
can you cut a girl in half? And everyone goes quiet. Like, Ed and Sandy are like, okay. Ash is like, what? Like, he didn't even say anything. He just said, can you cut a girl in half? So he's like, um, what? I said, can you cut a girl in half? <laughs> I mean, it's not really real, you know. It's, we don't really cut people in half. Can you cut a girl in half? And he goes, um, well, here's the thing, you know, you have to you have to be a gold medalist to actually cut girls in half. And like I said, I, I won a silver medal. <laughs> and uh, Ed catches on that this is awkward. So he starts, you know, fake laughing for the benefit of Ashley. He's like, ha, 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 that's a good one. And Sandy's, ha, ha, ha. And, you know, Darbs is like, okay, I got to laugh too. So she starts laughing and everyone is laughing this really weird, tense, fake laugh in the room. But she notices Lars is different. Everyone's laughing and they're all awkward, but Lars isn't laughing. He's just making movements with his mouth, but his eyes are just watching one person at a time, watching them laugh, watching their reaction. He seems really just creepy. So she's like, okay, like this is really bad. And of course, that's when Ashley and Ed decided to play a game called Circle, right? Because they were just playing Go Fish. They were playing for so long that they're like, let's play a game called Circle now. So it's trying to get to know each other because they're going to be stuck there all night together. So we go around in a circle and we have one question. We all name it in a circle. So let's start with the biggest fear. So they're like, what's your biggest fear, Ashley? And he's like, well, I guess... One time when I was young, there was like this mining thing that was around my house and I went in and I got trapped and like, it was a long elaborate story, right? And he had got his hand cut in a door hinge and his finger almost fell off. And now he's terrified of door hinges. And it sounds stupid, but it's serious. There's like a whole Facebook group of people that are scared of door hinges, okay? And he's like, don't make fun of me. <laughs> and then Ed, he's like, well, this is where I get serious. He's like, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I was a veteran and then I became a vet. Uh, so I was treating animals and then I lost my job because I was drinking too much and I lost my family and this is going to be the first time I'm going back to see my family since all of that happened. So I guess I'm scared of that. And everyone just kind of got quiet. Now that's when Darby is like, okay, I got to tell someone about Lars. I'm going to tell Ashley. So she writes a note and she somehow is able to slip it on a brown napkin to Ashley that says, meet me in the bathroom now. And he slips her back a note without anybody seeing that says, I have a girlfriend. <laughs> and she's like, this forking idiot. That's not what I mean. Oh, my God. So she's standing and she's looking at him like. And so he walks over to her and now they're staring outside the rest stop. So they're like standing up against the windows. The other people are sitting behind them and she can kind of feel everyone just staring at them. Like, why are they just standing oddly close to each other? What are they whispering to each other type of vibe? And she starts panicking because in the corner of her eye, she sees a squished cup that looked just like the cup that she took out for the hot cocoa that she dropped right in front of Lars's fan. So Lars knows. So this just upped the ante. She thought, she thought she was planning her attack and Lars had no idea. But in reality, he was planning his attack and she was planning hers and they both know that each other know. He found the cup. He knows someone went near his van. Oh, but he doesn't know it's her. He does because she went, remember? Oh with the hot cup of cocoa and yeah so she's like fork i gotta i need help and so she was like ed and sandy are young or old and they look 
I mean, Ed's an alcoholic. He looks kind of drunk right now because they even asked during the circle game. They were like, so when's the last time you drank, you know? And he was like, well, this morning. So obviously things aren't going well. Anyways, continuing on. So she's like, come to the bathroom right now. So they go to the bathroom and she's like, it's going to be okay. I'm going to tell him everything. So she starts just blurting out all this information. My mom has pancreatic cancer. And then I came and then the van and then there's a kid in there and he starts breathing really heavy. So then she's like, the one person I tell, he's like, I don't have my inhaler. So she's like, okay, I should have told Ed. Like, he said that he was an army veteran. Like, yeah, he's old, but he's an army veteran. So she's like, okay, no, but here's our advantage. He's a magician. He has sleight of hand. The way he even tossed that napkin to her, she didn't even know. It just, like, appeared that said, I have a girlfriend. So she's like, okay, it's okay. Like, he obviously is a little bit weird, but we're going to figure it out. And he's like, how do you know? Like, are you sure? Like, I don't think, you know, I mean, yeah, he looks crazy, but... No, that's not happening, right? And she's like, calm down. I have a picture. She grabs her phone and shows him the picture. And he almost throws up. So then she's like, okay, fork. So she's like, Do you have, are you wearing socks right now? He's like, yeah, I'm wearing socks right now. So he grabs his sock and gives it to her. And she says, this is our weapon. I don't have any weapons, but this is our weapon. I saw it on a TV show once. And she starts putting in small rocks that she had found. And she says, it's called a sock rock. It's called a sock rock. And she's wrapping up her little sock rock, okay? So she's got this rock. She's tying it into the socks. And now she can whip it around with some momentum, you know? Woo-ha, bits. And so she's like, this is my sock rock. We're going to kill people with this sock rock. And he's like, but, but what if he has weapons? And she's like, okay, don't freak out. He has a gun. He's like, we have a sock. He has a gun. We have a sock. He has a gun. And she's like, calm down. And that's when Lars opens the door and walks in to the bathroom. So she's like, fuck. So then she's like looking at him and he goes, and he grabs her by the face and they start making out. So they make out, and it wasn't romantic. I know what you're thinking. Oh, one of those, one of those books again, where they just fall in love. But after she said that his tongue was a dead slug in her mouth, like he really wasn't trying. Like it was, they knew what they were doing. Lars washes his hands, stares at them for like a solid minute, and then walks out. And she pulls away, and he says, "You have really disgusting breath." And she says, "Yeah, I know. I only drank like six Red Bulls and five coffees today. Sorry." <laughs> yeah, and he was like okay well what do we do and she says here's the plan i'm gonna go out to his van and i'm gonna open one of the doors he's obviously gonna come out and he's gonna be like what are you doing but i'm the decoy the minute that he gets out you're gonna come out with the sock rock and you're gonna whack him on the head okay and then he's gonna be knocked on the ground we're gonna grab the gun and i'm gonna be like you better not move for the next 10 hours or I'm ratatatying you, okay? And then we're gonna take the little girl out and then we're gonna save her. Ed and Sandy are gonna be filled in. We're gonna tie him up and just watch his every move until the snow is gone. So he's like, that seems impossible. She's like, it's gonna be okay, okay? She says, okay, here's the signal. You cough once. That means you're ready. So I'll go outside the minute that you cough, okay? So then they walk out of there. He's got the sock rock. She's got ready to go. She's like amped up. And then she realizes when they get into the rest stop that Ashley is not ready to go. He's like, and he's like looking around and he's like, and he's like panting. He's tapping his nails. He's sweating. So she's like, oh my God, he's never going to give me the signal. And even if he gives me the signal, like it's too late. Lars is looking at him like he's so weird. Like, why are you sweating, dude, all of a sudden? And she's like thinking to herself, you know, there's got to be another way I can do this. If Ashley can't do this, I got to get back my pocket knife and slit his throat if that's what it takes, you know? And that's when Ed starts giving like this whole ass speech. 
about how you gotta just face your fears in the army and stuff. And then, you know, you see Ashley getting amped up because he's just, he's like, yeah, yeah, Ed. I can't believe you served for our army. So then she's like, okay. Like, I'm gonna slit his throat if I have to today. Like, she made the decision that she's gonna murder Lars, right? And that's when Ashley coughs and looks at her, and she looks at him, and she walks outside. And she goes straight into the van, and she's like, okay, this is good, this is good. And she's waiting. Jay's looking at her like, what's going on? And she's like, shh, he's coming, he's coming. So Jay Bird is looking at Darby, and she's like, okay it's okay right she rips off the duct tape and she goes we're gonna get him don't worry right and she says okay be careful be careful and she says is there any more weapons in here why isn't he coming outside because Lars wasn't coming outside so she starts panicking she's like oh my god he knows he fucking knows like that look was so obvious like he <coughs> and then looked at her and then she looked at him like this is he was already suspicious of them you know so she's like okay it's just gonna be me and I gotta do this I gotta do this Ashley is in no shape to do right so she starts looking around and she goes what happened to your hand and she said he put a nail gun on my hand and she said what and then she gets so mad darby's so mad darby's like you know what i will f kill him myself today if i have to so she's like whole she's getting mad and she's like has this ringing in her ears from all the adrenaline the anger and she looks at her and she goes where's the nail gun obviously it's too big for him to carry in his pocket yeah he has a gun but where is the nail gun where's the nail gun and jay's like i don't know i think it's somewhere in the van she goes where's the nail gun and she says i don't know the other one puts it in like a box like that and she goes okay so she looks through the box and then she looks at jay and goes what did you just say I, I said the other one puts it in that box. The other one? What do you mean the other one? The other guy? And she looks outside the window and she sees Lars and Ashley walking towards her and Ashley has the sock rock dangling in his hand. So she opens the rear doors and she busts out of there, okay? And Lars comes running after her screaming, you wanted my brother to kill me? And she starts running, 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 running. She runs to the nightmare children. And then she's like, fuck, what do I do? What do I do? So she finally is able to think, she was like, okay, in the bathroom, there was this window that I was looking out of, right? When we were making out. So then she runs to the back of the building, busts through the bathroom window, and it's super tiny. Like Lars is massive. There's no way he's gonna fit in there. So she busts it open. She's got like just glass everywhere and she manages to pull herself into the bathroom and run into the main area of the rest stop sandy's taking a nap and ed is just sitting there and ashley's sitting there and there's a little note like a little brown napkin near her journal and she looks at it and it says if you tell them i'll kill you all so she sits down now sandy's napping ed's sitting there ashley is sitting there darby's sitting here lars comes back and he closes the door and he's just watching from the front door. And Ash says, you know, Darbs, you never answered in the game of Circle. What's your biggest fear, Darbs? And she says, I don't know. Is it guns? No. Guns are scary. No. Is it a nail gun? No. Maybe it's murder. No. What do you mean murder's scary? Everyone's scared of murder, no? Darbs says, no. And he says, well, I don't know. Murder in a painful way seems. And she says, failure. Failure is scary. If I ever fail and someone gets kidnapped and killed, that's my biggest fear. God damn. And Ed looks up and he says, uh, that's a little weird, but 
thanks for opening up. <laughs> and, and she just looks at Ed, and it's just really uncomfortable and awkward, and everyone's like, okay. <laughs> and then Ash is like, well, what about favorite movies? We should answer favorite movies now. What's your favorite movie? Mine's Godzilla. I really like Godzilla because you have monsters, and then you have weak little humans. You have monsters who have a plan, and these humans, I mean, they really can't do anything about the plan. They just have to, that's their life. They got to go along with it. The humans are literally literally inconsequential to the plan. They don't make a difference to the plan that the monsters have. Don't you think? What's your favorite movie, Darby? And she says, I like romantic comedies. And she's trying really hard not to cry because this is incredibly scary. So then Ed gets up out of the table and she realizes that, holy shit, like if these people weren't here right now, she would be dead. So he gets up and he says, man, they're out of coffee beans. And Ash says, coffee? What are we gonna do now? I could kill someone for a fresh cup of coffee right now. Ed goes, you don't have to kill anyone. I got coffee beans in the truck with Sandy. You want me to go get some? So then Ash is like, you know, that'd be really good, Ed. I wouldn't have to kill anyone then. So then Ed's like, okay, y'all are weird. So he goes outside to his truck and Lars deadbolts the front door. So now it's just the big dude Lars. You got creepy Ash, psychopath Ash that we didn't even freaking know that she just made out with, you know, is part of all of this. They're siblings, they're brothers. And then you've got Sandy napping. And that's when Ashley looks at her and says, if you promise that you're just gonna ignore all of this, then we won't kill you today. Let's just get through the snow. You go your way, we'll go our way. You go to your mom. Didn't you say your mom has, what, cancer or something? And we'll just call it that. What do you say? What do you say, Darbs? And she says, what is this, some weird sex thing you guys are doing? And he says, oh God, Darbs, who do you think I am? No! Sorry. <laughs> it's ready. Yes! Woo! But I've gotta let the whole thing cool. Okay, so he's like, let's wager a deal. Nobody gets hurt. You turn the other way. And it's not a weird child thing. It's a money thing. Her parents are really rich. They own some, her dad owns some sort of tech company. So we kidnapped her. We're just going to take her cross country for a little while. And that's just going to warm up daddy and mommy to open up that checkbook. We're going to return her and everything's going to be good. And she says, but you're lying. You already heard her. You literally put a nail gun on her hand. And that's when he stares at her for what feels like forever. And she feels like she's gonna cry because of how just crazy and psychotic he looks. And he says, oh my God, Darbs, your nose is bleeding. And she touches her nose and he leans over and smashes her head on the table. And her nose starts bleeding. Oh my God. And Sandy wakes up and she's like, what was that? And she's like, oh my God, sweetie, your nose is bleeding. Ash is like, yeah, it's the air pressure. She's just not used to the air pressure. Snow can make people a little crazy. And Sandy's like, that's a lot of blood. She's like, God, take these napkins. And she's like trying to help her. And it seems like Sandy's catching on because immediately afterwards, she moves her seating area to like the corner where she can kind of see everything going on and no one can creep up behind her. And she's got one hand holding her murder mystery book and one hand in her purse. If you ever see a girl with her hand in her purse, she's not keeping it warm. She's probably holding some pepper spray. Ed comes back. He don't know jack shit. He's like, I got coffee. And she's just bleeding out of her nose and she's freaking out. Now this is when you get Ash 
his first POV in the book. So you get everything from his perspective now. At first it was Darby's perspective the whole time. Now you get Ash's perspective, okay? So he's just psychopathic. He's the, the leader of the two brothers. So Lars is actually just big and bulky, but he has fetal alcohol syndrome, which means that their mother drank the entire time that she was pregnant with Lars. So Ash calls him some very mean names, but he loves his little brother. He's just dumb is what he says. And he gets a note passed to him. Darby walks over, passes Ash a note, and it says, you win, I won't say a thing. And Ash is like, well, I knew that I was going to win. And I know she's not going to say anything because I'm still going to kill her. <laughs> and he said that he loved watching her fight back tears after he slammed her face on the ground or on the table because that's just the type of shit that he likes. He went very much into detail about his um, the hub preferences that are very uh, borderline risque, borderline hub versus dark knight stuff, right? So he starts talking about that and he says he knows the type of personality Darby is. She's your stereotypical hero. She's the one that will jump in front of a robber's gun without even thinking about it and majority of the population they they admire that type of personality but he doesn't because it's so fucking predictable it's just annoying it's dumb it's cowardly honestly and then he starts talking about his favorite childhood joke this is like him in his head and he was like you know this all reminds me of what happened to uncle kenny his favorite joke was what do you call a woman with a black eye should have listened what do you because it gets darker what do you call a woman with two black eyes Nothing. You already told her twice. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. And he says that was his favorite joke. That was still his favorite joke. That's one of his top 10 jokes. And then he thought about who taught him that joke and he thinks about Uncle Kenny all the time. They call him Fat Kenny, but it's his Uncle Kenny. And Fat Kenny is his uncle that takes care of him because his mom is always drunk and his dad's never around. And, you know, for some reason, Fat Kenny's really good to Lars. Everyone else in the family abuses Lars, treats him like an idiot. And he doesn't like when people do that to his baby brother. He wants people to be nice to his baby brother. And Fat Kenny was always nice to both of them until one day when he was young, he walked into Fat Kenny's basement and saw a woman tied up. And she asked for a glass of water, please. And so he ran upstairs, grabbed her a glass of water, and as he was about to run back into the basement, Fat Kenny appeared and said, I'll take the water to her. And he contemplated for weeks about if he should call the police. The woman ended up disappearing from the basement. He doesn't know what happened to her. He doesn't know if he should call the police, and sometimes there would be different women in there, chained up. and. He just thought to himself, but nobody makes me laugh like Fat Kenny. There was this other joke that was, what happens to your computer when you let a minority use it? Nothing, it's gone. Like, just really racist, nasty jokes. And those were his favorite. Nobody was funny like Fat Kenny. That was 17 years ago, and now he doesn't even bat an eye when he sees women chained up in Fat Kenny's basement. And then we switch back to Darby's POV. So Darby starts looking at that letter again of like, I will kill all of y'all if you tell them. And she's like, this is not good. Like I can't have any collateral damage. So she manages to sneak into the bathroom and sneak out the window where she came from. And she starts trying to escape. Now during this time, Lars and Ash were already on her the minute that she went to the restroom. So Lars was outside waiting for her, for her to drop down with his gun. And Ash went to the bathroom and grabbed her before she could fling herself out the window, grabbed a plastic bag and started suffocating her with it and she felt like at first it was almost comfortable she was ready to let go she was like this is the time that i get to rest like this she said that there's this weird oddness about it where after some time the struggle goes away and it just feels like sleepiness and then she remembered 
her mom is probably in surgery right now. And this wasn't a moment of like, I gotta meet my mom, right? It was a moment of anger how is this fair how is she trapped at a rest stop how how is the last conversation with her mom her yelling at her mom how does her mom have pancreatic cancer there was just all of this anger that she didn't feel because she had just found out 24 hours ago and she suddenly got hit with anger and she's like this is not how i fucking die so she breathes in as hard as she can and then she clenches down on her teeth and then breathes out so that the plastic bag will rip at her mouth I don't know if it works. I was almost tempted to try it myself, but I, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. And she was able to somehow get free and she struggled with Ash, slammed him into a urinal and jumped out the window. And Ash is sitting there thinking, you know what, it's gonna be all good because my baby brother Lars is outside to take care of her. And that's when he hears a knock on the door. So he's like, okay, it's probably Ed because this is a men's bathroom. So I'm just gonna act like I hit my head and that was a loud noise. And then he's like, oh, Al, come in. And Lars comes in and he goes, you sounded like you needed help. He's like, you fucking, what did I tell you? He's like, I, I don't know, I heard some struggling. <sighs> Lars is like, well, what, what do we do now? Where do you think, baby brother? Where do you think she's gonna be right now, huh? Uh, I, I don't really know. She's gonna be at the car because the bitch took my keys while they were struggling. So he's like, Okay, so we, we go to the car. Yes, we go to the we go to the car. So they're walking to the car and then we get Jay Bird's first POV, the kid's first POV. And she's starting to feel really drowsy. This had been about her fourth day since she hadn't taken her medication. You can see that she's like wearing this yellow bracelet. And when you're a kid, when you have a disease where you have to take medication on the daily, you usually have a bracelet that indicates it. And she has Addison's disease and she starts kind of feeling nauseous. And she pushes open the door because she had soft through the kennel with the little pocket knife and she's like okay well what now she starts thinking about the day that she got kidnapped it was a couple days ago maybe a week ago and she had walked home from the bus stop after school her parents weren't home they were busy but her housekeeper and her nanny's home and so she opened the door and she went straight to the fridge to get some water and that's when she saw two people one of them was in a zombie mask and the other one was in a werewolf mask like the halloween masks and her housekeeper is bleeding and she freezes and the housekeeper says, run. And she looks at the men and the housekeeper says, just run, Jay, please. And she freezes and she hears, they're here for you, just run, Jay. And then she freezes. And then as she's carrying, being carried out by the two guys out of her own house, she hears the housekeeper cry, why didn't you just run? And she has no idea why she didn't run. She just froze. And so now she's in this van and she's like, okay, well, they never keep the doors unlocked, but she opens the rear door and it opens and she steps out into the snow. So they all run to the parking lot, okay? They're all in the parking lot and Darby's running, Lars is running after her, Ash is running after her, Ash is like, don't shoot her. And it's mainly not because Ash cares about Darbs, it's because literally like gunshots, people are gonna hear it, that's a lot more evidence. And it seems like they just wanna get away with the kid, like they don't wanna kill everyone here. He's like, don't shoot, don't shoot. And she reaches the van and she stops. And they're like, why did she stop? So they rush towards her and that's when they see the van door is open and the kennel door is open and Jaybird is gone. And this is Darb's POV, and she's like, kind of feels some sort of satisfaction, you know? She's like, fuck yeah, like they weren't expecting that. You know, this whole time I got screwed over by all these little plot twists, but they weren't expecting this one. And Lars is like, God, what do we do? What do we do? And Ash is like, when did you give her the knife? When did you give her the knife? And she's like, why, you worried now? And he's like, when did you give her the knife? And she's like, what, you can't get your money now because your child abduction is going wrong? And he's like, 
Are you a fucking idiot, Darby? And she's like, what? Oh my God. She lives in San Diego. She was wearing a Pokemon shirt inside that kennel. She's gonna freeze to death. That's why he's caring about when. So she's like, I, I don't know. I gave it to her a while ago. And he's like, oh my freaking God. And he's like, if she's dead, it's because of you. Not me, not this dude, but because of you. She's gonna freeze to death and guess whose fault it is. And she's like, what the fork, right? And that's when he's like, come, we're gonna go find her. And she's like, what do you, what do you mean? Well, she's not gonna fucking come out if we call her name. So you're gonna go call Jaybird and she's gonna come out. We're gonna be walking a couple feet away from you and we're gonna get both of you. And then we're gonna fucking kill you. So then he leads her away from the rest stop and it's dark now. So she's got the flashlight and she's saying, Jaybird, come on, it's Darby. It's just me, I'm all alone. And she keeps screaming this and she knows that Lars is pointing the gun at her and they're walking, you know, a couple feet away so that Jaybird doesn't see that they're all together. So he, she hates lying. She's like, Jaybird, it's just me. It's okay. Don't be scared. Please come out. Come out. And then we switch to Ash's POV. And he says, you know, I think I'm going to give him the signal. You know, him and his brother, his baby brother Lars, they always work on signals. They have one that says, lucky me, that means we're staying. Lucky you means that they're going. Hey, can I get extra cheese? Means we run. And oh, the one that they used today while he was playing goldfish was ace of spades. Anytime he says ace of spades, that means pretend we're strangers. Lars almost missed that one. And if he did, I would have put a nail in his hand like I always do, but for some reason, he kind of got it at the last minute. It was a close call, but he got it. So Ash likes to put nails in even his own baby brother's hand. Oh my God. And if he misses a signal, he gets a nail in the hand. So then he finally says, you know, as far as good Samaritans go, you're betting a thousand, which is like a saying, right? But it's not a common saying. And betting a thousand always means we kill. And so he said it and he's waiting for Lars to kind of focus on the flashlight. And then suddenly everything goes dark. Darby had turned off her flashlight and now she's running. So he's like, Give me the gun. So he takes the gun and he starts running after her. Now Darby kind of, I, she says that people can tell when you know you're about to die, right? So she's like, I need to think quick. What's faster than running in the snow, falling in the snow? So she literally plunges herself down a hill that she finds and she's rolling down and he's like, I can't see her. I can't see her. And he can't just shoot randomly because they can't just like make gunshot noises when the rest stop is literally right there. So then they pick up the flashlight and Lars is like, what do we do? What if she goes back to the rest stop and tells Ed and Sandy, what do we do? What do we do? And he says, don't worry she's literally headed into the woods we're going to follow her in there and it's in the opposite direction and we're going to kill her we're going to go back to the rest stop and he turns on the flashlight and that's when he sees fucking melanie mountain right there and he realizes that she had rerouted them and she was actually headed to the rest stop so he's like fucking bits so then you get darby's point of view and she's running 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 to the rest stop because she had circled around now the brothers are lost in the little wooded area and they're making their way back she manages to run into the rest stop and she's like okay what do i do i have their keys do i just get into their van and just drive away because their van is big and it's bigger than my honda so maybe i can get more snow traction you know they look like they had those snow tires on maybe i just get in their van and i run but then what did jay die for like she's literally gotten frostbite somewhere and i can't even do anything and this was all my fault and then she's like no but i can't not tell ed and sandy who they're dealing with because what if they piss them off what if something happens so then she's like okay i gotta tell them so she rushes into the rest stop and that's when she sees jay talking to ed jay bird the little kid talking to ed and sandy and sandy's 
steps up and says, not another step. And Jay says, no, 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 it's okay. She's the one that saved me. So she locks the door and the, the Ed and Sandy are like, what's going on? How did you not tell us what's going on? When, when did you find out about this? And she's bringing out all of the things. She said, look, she shows them the note that says, I will kill you all if you tell them, right? And Ed is like, what do we do what do we do right and sandy's like okay i've got mace what do you have and she's like well we've got this army knife like this swiss army knife that's it and he's like okay well um boil hot water we're gonna boil hot water that's gonna be a weapon boiling hot water just in case they deadbolt the front door they barricade the windows they flip the tables over and the only other entrance that they have to worry about is the bathroom now probably only ash would fit in and he would go in head first so that he can make sure nobody's there obviously with his gun and that's when someone can stand there and pour boiling water over them and try to get the gun from them so then she's like oh by the way the brothers have a gun and sandy's like a fucking She's like, what are we doing right now? We can't just stay in this little rest stop. Are you guys insane? They can literally shoot through the windows. So she's like, okay, here's the plan. We get into my truck. My truck is fine. We need Ed, Ed and um, Darby. You guys push the truck. I will go into the front with Jaybird, the kid, and I'll drive. Then you guys hop into the back, the pickup truck, the back, and then we drive as far as possible. You guys stay in the truck bed, and then we'll stop once we're too far, and we've got all of the keys. They can't drive away. She's got all everybody's keys. So the brothers can't drive after them. They can only run after them and shoot after them. So they're like, then we drive far enough. You guys are laying on the truck bed, and then you guys, we stop. Then you get into the back of the truck. You know, we get it. We get it. We're running away. So on the count of three, we're going to run out of here and run to the truck. And she's like, okay, three. And then Darby's like, no, it's, it's weird. They should be here by now. It's too quiet. So they turn off the lights and they look outside and they see that they're hiding behind Sandy's truck. So they were about to get ambushed. So they start freaking out some more, okay? And then she starts pacing. Darby's pacing the rest stop. And that's when she sees the brown napkin that she had left, that she had just showed Ed that says, you know, if you tell them, I'll kill you. And she sees little handwriting right under it. And she looks closer, and it's obviously the handwriting of a child. And it said, don't trust them. (gasps) Ah! And that's when she's just monitoring every conversation happening, because why would Jaybird not trust these two people? And Ed is talking to Jaybird, and he's saying things like, you know, do you guys know where you're going? And she says, no, I just know we're supposed to be here. What do you mean? I don't know, they were looking for a map for this rest stop. You guys didn't get snowed here? No, we were looking, they were looking specifically for this rest stop. I don't know why, I just know that they wanted to be here. Ed's confused, like, why this rest stop? Jaybird's like, I don't really know anything else. Okay, well, I see your bracelet, I was a vet. Dogs get Addison's disease too. When was your last adrenaline shot? So with Addison's disease, she can't produce any adrenaline, so she has to get adrenaline shots. And she said, four days ago? And that's when Darby looked at Ed and said, what does that mean? And he said, he whispered something, like mouth something. It looked like he said, later. So she was like, okay, I guess he'll tell me later, later. And then she's thinking, oh my God, he whispered fatal fatal so then she grabs ed aside and says okay explain everything and he says it's addison's disease if she gets any sort of shock or scared or panicked instead of adrenaline her body is gonna send her into a seizure and she might die so we can't have her get stressed out under any means 
And Darby's like, well, that's going to be really hard because Ashley is walking straight towards the building with a nail gun in his hand. I thought the little girl said don't trust Ed and that. Yeah. But she, what can she do? She doesn't know why. Yeah. So then now, Ash is walking straight towards the building with a nail gun in his hand. So then she's like, okay, like, I can't trust these people and I can't trust the people outside. What do we do? What do we do? And that's when we get Ashley's POV. And Ashley, Ash, we get Ash's POV, the dude. And he's walking towards the building and he's got the nail gun. And he says, you know, the nail gun is his favorite weapon. Lars, his dumb brother, his dumb baby brother, loves to use a real gun. But he likes a nail gun. And it has to do with just the how unconventional and unpractical the weapon is. You know, you've, he's got a battery in the nail gun and one in his pocket, so he's gotta make it last. So he goes around to the cars and he starts poking holes in the tires so nobody can escape because he doesn't have the keys. He doesn't poke any holes in his van, but everything else, right? And he's ready to kill Darbs. He's excited. He, the nail gun is great because you don't just automatically kill people. He can turn Darby into a screaming porcupine before she's even dead. And that's the best part of a nail gun. And so he looks at Lars and says, don't shoot Darby. She's mine. And they walk towards the door. And that's when you get the POV of the inside. Darby's watching Sandy and Ed arguing at the front door. She's like, oh my God, what do we do? He's walking towards us with a nail gun. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And Ed is like, calm down, calm down. We're going to figure this out, right? And she's like, what do you mean we're going to figure this out? We're going to die. And Jay, Jaybird is sitting under a table and she's kind of rocking back and forth. So Darby approaches her and it's like, it's okay. It's okay. Calms her down and then goes, you know, wh what were you saying about don't trust them? And Jaybird goes, nothing, it's embarrassing, it was a mistake. What do you mean, what, what was the mistake? She was like, it's just a weird coincidence. What's a weird coincidence? I, I think I'm wrong, but she kind of looked like my school bus driver. A coincidence? Not today. So she goes, your school bus driver? And she stands up and she said, Ed? Sandy, where did you say you were from? And Ed is like, why are you questioning us? There's a dude walking towards us with a nail gun. Get this figured out, right? And she goes, where did you say you're from? And he says, from Carlsbad. She's like, Carlsbad? And he goes, fucking San Diego County, dude. And that's when she looks and Sandy has already approached her and maced her in the face. Pepper sprayed Darby in the face. So Darby's down on the ground. She's freaking out. Jaybird's trying to help her, bringing her water and stuff. And you hear Sandy and Ed arguing. And you can already tell that Ed had no idea. Sandy said, listen, just trust me on this. I'm going to get us out of this alive. Just trust me. I'll explain everything later. And Ed is like, what are you talking about? How are you involved with these people? How do you know her? What is going on? And so he starts freaking out and she says, listen, just trust me. And so the two girls, Darby and Jaybird, they crawl their way to the bathroom. And Sandy says, Ed, stand guard at the bathroom. Okay, just trust me. And Ed is standing in front of the bathroom door. And the girls hear Sandy unlock the rest stop door. Oh my God. Ash and Lars walk in and she says, they're in the bathroom. I've got them locked in for you. And Sandy says, but you, but you guys lied. The deal is off. You guys lied to me. And the brothers start laughing and she says, you promised you wouldn't hurt her. You promised. Well, promises are a little overdue now, right? And they start giggling and they get to the bathroom door and Ed is guarding it. And he says, I'm not letting you in there. And he says, well, I think that you are. And so he holds up his nail gun and says, get out the way. And he says, I knew you were disgusting since the minute that I met you. Since you sat down and played goldfish, I knew you were evil. There's something about you. You're just freaking evil. Who's saying? Ed to oh. Ash. And Ash is like, yeah, yeah, cool stuff. I don't really care. And he says, three, two, one, and you move, okay? And Ed, he looked at him and he moved. 
I mean, what can he do, right? And Sandy's like, oh, thank God. But then Ash turns around and shoots a nail into his chin, and he starts bleeding. And he slumps to the ground, and Sandy is screaming. Now that is when they have already jumped out the bathroom window, okay? And Ash is sitting there with Lars, and he's like, okay, well, this should happen. Let's go change of plans also. You know, he tells Lars, baby brother, we're not just going to drive out of here when the sun comes up. We're actually going to blow this place apart to get the gasoline later. We've left too many fingerprints. We've got someone with a nail in his chin. This is all moot. we got to burn this place down so there's no forensic evidence. There's no fire department coming anyway, so burn it down. And that's when he remembers... The freaking bathroom. The freaking window, okay? They crawled out the window. So he's like, oh my God. So he heads to the front. But by that time, the two girls, Darby and Jay Bird, the kid, they were already in the car headed in Sandy's truck out of the rest stop. So they're driving away from the rest stop in Sandy's truck because she has the keys. They had deserted all the rest of the keys. They had fallen outside the bathroom window when she had fallen out of there, but they had Sandy's keys. So it's all good. So they get into Sandy's truck and they start driving. Now, Jay Bird is seatbelted in and she's talking to her she's trying to keep her calm and she said hey jaybird in order to stay calm grab my phone and just call 911 let's see when we get service she keeps driving and she's like you only have one percent battery i know it's okay just just keep using it okay she says okay as they're driving they hit snow oh my god and she gets out the car and she realizes they didn't just hit snow someone had put nails in the front two tires of sandy's truck and this they were like a hundred feet away from the rest stop. Like this was walking distance. Like the two brothers are gonna come out, they're gonna get killed. So she's like, how's the phone going? So she grabs the phone and she gets a text message from 911. And it says, officers on the way, find a safe place, ETA 30. ETA 30, does that mean 30 minutes? So she's like, okay, this is good, this is good. And she looks at Jaybird and she goes, this is so good, I could kiss you right now. And she's like, yes. And then Jaybird looks at her and goes, don't move. And she turns around and she sees Ash holding the nail gun. Now we get Ash's point of view. Now Ash is kind of amazed at Darbs at this point. Like slowly more and more he's getting a little bit amazed by her because psychopaths, they don't really, they're kind of amazed. The whole thing he always knew is that creatures always die scared. Any creature he's ever killed in his life has always died scared. They've never, whether it's an animal or a human, the last breath is always fear. There's nothing else. Nobody accepts it. Nobody just takes it. But when she was almost dying in that plastic bag, she wasn't scared she was like angry i don't she, he doesn't even know what that emotion she displayed was that's why he was so taken off guard and again she has no fear like i don't see her shaking and i'm pointing a nail gun at her face so then she's like well you can't kill me that'd be a big mistake okay darbs why can't i kill you because i know where your keys are and if you kill me you'll never get out of here the cops will come in the morning and you'll be dead and he looks and he sees jay is giggling because they know they're right so then he says, okay, we'll get out of here. Let's walk. So they're walking. Lars and Ash have a nail gun and a gun pointed at Jaybird and Darby. And he grabs Darby's phone and she's freaking out. She's like, God, I hope he doesn't see the text message from 911 because that's going to be so bad. And that's when she sees her phone light up in his hand in the dark. And she's like, Fuck. would 911 text again? Like, would they text like ETA 15, like updates, you know? She doesn't know. So she's freaking out. And he looks at her phone and he says, it's someone by the name of Devin. And he reads the text. It says, it happened, mom died. Awkward. And he snaps the phone in half and leaves it in the snow. Snaps the phone? Yeah, in half and leaves it in the snow. So Darby is like, what the fork, my mom's dead. 
So she's walking back to the rest stop. And the whole time that she's walking, like her ears are ringing. She doesn't even know what's going on. She's like, literally, I could die right now. I don't even care. And so they lead them back into the rest stop. Sandy's crying. Ed is bleeding. He's like gushing blood, saying some stuff, but gurgling blood. Jay screams when she sees Ed. And Ash grabs Jay by the hair and puts her right up in Ed's face. So she cries and screams and then just lets her go. And then he follows Darby. And he starts asking Darby about her mom. I'm like, are you guys close? And she's like, why do you even care? Like, just kill me. I don't even care. And he's like, so you guys aren't close? Darby explains that she was never close with her mom. She grew up always lying to her, manipulating her, stealing her car with a shoelace. Like, her mom and her were never close. And he says, I'm sorry about your loss. She says, don't be. I wouldn't be sorry if it was your mom that died. And he's like, you know, I wish you could be my girlfriend, Darbs. He's like, if we met under different circumstances, you'd make a nice girlfriend. I could teach you how to shoot. We could have so much fun. You're kind of cool. And he's like, just a shame that it's like this. Then he grabs her hand and sticks it in between a door and says, you know, you kind of, I thought I saw you giggle when I talked about how I was so scared of door hinges. Thought I saw a slight smirk in your face like you're better than me. I get it. It's an unconventional fear, but it hurts. Tell me where my keys are. Tell me or I'm slamming the door. And she's like, you're gonna slam it anyway. And he says, well, I guess you're smart. And he slams the door on her fingers. Ah. She screams and she realizes one of her, her pinky looks completely severed and most of her fingers are swollen, stuck in there and just gushing blood. And they look disoriented. And so she's just kind of holding onto the door frame and she's getting in and out of consciousness. And he's slapping her face around like, hey, You're gonna pay attention, okay? So he says, this is what's happening, okay? This is everything that we were trying to do. Let's look at good old Sandy over here. Let me make it make sense for you so that you understand the gravity of this situation. Sandy, bus driver at this rich peppy school, right? Found out about a girl who has really rich parents, never around, understands the family routine. She told us we can kidnap her and they would be willing to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. So we kidnapped her one day after school and then Then people started getting suspicious. The reason we're driving here is because Sandy has this like storage space. And inside that storage space, she left some cash. She left the keys to her cabin near Denver. And we were gonna go and stay there for a couple weeks until the ransom was paid. But then people started suspecting Sandy because she's the bus driver. They were suspecting everyone at the school. The storage unit gets broken into the whole unit. And because of a precaution, the unit was like, hey, unless you use the master key, you can't use any duplicates of the key. Does that make sense? So like if you have a storage unit, you get the master key that they give you and then you can also duplicate that key. But they said for security purposes, when you come to the storage unit, you have to show us that you have the master key. And Sandy had given them a, a duplicate of the key. So they couldn't get into the storage unit essentially because there was get cash and the keys to Sandy's cabin. And also her adrenaline shots were there because Sandy stole some from the nurse's office because they always have backup of the kid's medicine. And this cabin is in... Denver, so it was on the way. So they were gonna go to the storage unit, but then because of the storage unit got broken into, you had to use the master key and it's not like Sandy could just FedEx it to us, you know? What is she gonna do? Give it to a post box? And everyone's watching all of the staff at this school because you've got some rich kid who's been kidnapped. Anyways, so then she made up this phony excuse that she was going to Denver to meet her family and she was bringing her cousin along. And so she drove, we agreed on this rest stop where she was gonna hand off the key, but I didn't know her dumb stupid cousin was gonna come into the rest stop and I didn't know this dumb snow was gonna happen and we were gonna get trapped in the rest stop and then your dumb ass walked in and just complicated everything and she said okay well what now and he looks around and he looks at sandy and he kills her 
he starts choking her and bashing her head into the ground and says she was going to get caught anyway. She was the bus driver, for God's sake. And she's so weak, she was just going to rat us out anyway. And he starts bashing her head into the ground. And he turns to Lars and says, you know what this idiot wanted to do with her half of the ransom? And Lars is like, <laughs> what? And he's like, she wanted to donate it to local women's shelters. Over six figures on stupid ass women's shelters. She wants a kidnap for that? I guess maybe it was like a... Because she they promised that they would never hurt Jaybird. Oh. So she felt like maybe it was one evil for the necessary good of so many other people. Or necessary, whatever you call it. I don't agree with it, but you get it, right? And then he turns to Ed, points the nail gun at him, and says, tell me where my keys are, or he's dead. And she says, okay, they're, they're under the window of the bathroom outside, under the snow. And he says, thanks. And he shoots a nail gun into Ed's head and kills him anyway. Oh my god. And he tells baby brother, I'm going outside looking for the key, you know what to do. So Lars, he grabs his gun and he starts pouring some gasoline all over her, all over Darby, just soaking her up in gasoline. Pours gasoline on Ed, pours gasoline on Sandy's body, and he's like, we're gonna torch this place up. So he's busy doing all of that, and Ash goes to look, and Jaybird comes over to her and goes, take the knife. And she's like, no, no, you go. They're going to put you in the back of the car. I don't know what's going to happen, but they don't have the dog kennel anymore. So you try to kick out a window, okay? Kick out a window. And Jay's like, no, you're dead because of me. You're dead because of me. And she goes, that's not true. That's not true. And she thinks, wait, I'm not dead. Like, I'm literally not dead. Why am I acting like I'm dead? So then she's like, okay, this is going to fucking hurt. And she says, Jay, I've got a plan. And she says, okay, this is the plan. You walk to the other side of the room when I give you the go-ahead, okay? Mm -hmm. And she says, okay. And Darby and Jay just stare at Lars. Now we get Lars's first point of view. And Lars, the baby brother, he's getting really upset. He's like, why is Darby and Jay staring at me? I don't like this. I wish we could just kill them already. Why are they staring at me? They're making me uncomfortable. I don't like this Darby girl, right? And he's kind of getting angry. Like, oh, I'm going to shoot her. But, but if I shoot her, my brother's going to shoot me. Okay. And then he was like, okay, focus, focus, focus. And he's like, what am I supposed to do again? Ah, the gasoline, okay. So he's like, where did I? And then he's like looking at her and he sees her hand reaching up and the lights turn off. He's like, what the fork? And so he's like, what, what, where's my flashlight? So he grabs the flashlight, shines it at Darby and Jay and they're still there and they're just staring at him. And then he sees Jay staring at him while she walks to the other side of the room. So he's like, Okay, well, why? where's Jay going? I need to watch Jaybird, and then I need to watch Darby. And he's like, I don't like the dark. I don't like what's happening. And he's watching Jaybird, and then he's like, oh, I can't watch Darby at the same time. So he turns over, and Darby's not there. And he feels a thump on his body, and Darby had pretty much bodied the dude, okay? And his gun goes off. And Darby's point of view comes back, and she stabs him in the throat with the knife. Blood goes everywhere. They struggle, because that doesn't kill him, because it's like one of those pocket knives. And the gun goes off a couple more times. Nobody gets shot, because he's just flailing around, pointing it. And she ends up telling Jay, Jaybird, don't look. And she slits his throat. And Ash's POV comes in, and he's like, did I hear a freaking gunshot? I told, and he's thinking about how he's gonna nail the shit out of his brother's hand. And he walks to the front and he's like, God, Jesus Christ, he had found the keys. And he's like, thank God the keys were there because I would have just obliterated everyone the minute that I get in because I'm so pissed. And he's like, why is the door locked? He's like, open up Lars, no answer. Okay, well, there were multiple gunshot sounds. That was weird, huh? Even if Lars were to shoot Darby, 
it would be one contro- controlled gunshot sound. There wouldn't be multi. It sounded. Lars? Lars? Are you okay? And Darby responds, He can't talk right now. I slit his throat. And he gets so mad that he punches the door, which was a big mistake because he ends up spraining his hand. So he's like, why did I do that? He's so angry, right? So then he has the little nail gun in his left hand and he's like, it's okay. I'm going to kill the shit out of Darby. And Darbs is getting in prepared. She's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. She's like, you're not going to come in here because I have his gun. And he's like, you think I'm an idiot? I counted the shots. You're out of bullets, you freaking dumbo, right? But what he didn't know was that Jay had handed her a bullet earlier. So she had one shot and that was it. And so they're hiding behind the tables and he's like putting nail guns all over the windows. He's getting mad. And that's the moment Darby realizes, oh my God, during the struggle between her and Lars, they had kicked over all of the gasoline cans. The minute that she fires, the whole place blows up. It's a suicide mission. So she tells Jay, are you ready to run? She says, yeah. Okay, follow my lead. She grabs brown paper napkins, puts them into the toaster, pushes down, and they run to the bathroom and jump out the window. And at that time, Ash had broken in through the window and he heard a click. Like, you know, the, and then there was a big explosion. The whole thing blew up? Not the whole thing, but just a small. Uh-huh. And then there was fire. And at this point, they had jumped out the window and... Darby knew that her angle was broken. Like, that is not the snap of a regular schmegular, you know. So they start running, but Darby is really slowing down Jaybird, okay? They're trying to get to the cars, and they're trying to see what they can do, and that's when they see headlights. And, like, the little snow plowing machines, you know, those big... Uh-huh. And she's like, oh, my God, that's, like, all the way up the street. We can run through the parking lot, through the Nightmare Children, and to the main road. And that's it. We The snow plow, they move slow, right? And she looks at Jaybird, and she goes, we're going to be okay. And Jaybird looks behind her, and Ash is running towards them. And so she looks at Jaybird, and she says, run. Run to that snow plow. Run and tell them to call the police. And she says, but what about you? I have to take care of something, but you run, okay? And so Jaybird starts running, and Darby starts running towards Ash. Now, Ash is getting confused because he's like, what's happening? Why is she running towards me? I have a nail gun. And then he sees her holding something. That's his gun. Like, there's no way Darby's bluffing right now. Maybe I miscounted. Does she have a bullet in there? And so he's like, okay, I got to just shoot her now. So he gets the nail gun, and he clicks. It's out of battery. So he's like, oh, my God. He has a battery in his pocket, though. So he's like, oh, hell no. So he starts running the opposite way. And he knows that Darby isn't going to waste one bullet that she might have for, like, trying to shoot him while he's running. So he's running around. And then he finally stops, grabs his pocket, grabs the little battery out, clicks it in. And then he felt, like, the hairs standing on the back of his neck. And he turns around. And she says, what were you going to do with Jay? He says, what? What were you going to answer me? What were you going to do with her? He says, why do you care? What were you going to do with her? And he says, I've got this uncle who would pay 10K for a little girl like her. What's his name? Fat Kenny, why do you care? Oh my God. What's his address? He gives the address and then he closes his eyes and hears a gunshot. And he looks up and there was blood accumulating on Darby's chest. And she falls into the snow, drops the gun, And there was a police officer who said, don't move. 
Everyone, put your hands in the air. And he's like, really? My freaking luck, dude. Like, this is... I should be running for president with the luck that I have. This is too good. And he looks at the police officer and he's like, Officer, you saved my life. And he grabs his nail gun and shoots him twice in the head. Shoots who? The police officer. And he's dead. Then he grabs the police officer's gun. He grabs his wallet, all the cash, and the keys to his squad car. And he says, I'm going to kill that snowplow driver and take Jay. So he starts limping his way because he's got burns everywhere he starts limping his way to the front to the snowplow driver right and he sees the snowplow driver he doesn't see jay and he starts approaching him and he's like this one i'm gonna have a little more fun so he starts trying to strangle him before he shoots him so he's strangling him and that's when he hears hey behind him and he looks back and it's jaybird and she's got darby's gun and she shoots and he's like wow she shot and she missed from three feet away? My fucking luck. I could literally run for president with all the luck that I have. And he's about to say, hey, nice stupid shot, Jaybird. When he's like, why can't I say that? And he starts falling to the ground. You got shot? And then we have the epilogue. So Fat Kenny gets arrested, Uncle Kenny, because Darby before, so Darby was in the snow. Jay was like, don't, don't lose consciousness. Don't lose consciousness. And she's talking to her and she said, the police are coming. The backup police are coming. The, pl- the snowplow driver, he wasn't killed. And he was like, don't, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay, Darby. Like, stay with me, right? Jay Bird is comforting the older girl now. And she says, do you have a pen? And Jay Bird's like, I don't know why. And she said, remember this address, okay? Tell the police to go to this address. And she gives the address. Then she gets unconscious from the gunshot wound. Then we have Fat Kenny get arrested. And then we have what happens to Jaybird. So Jaybird's parents, they walk through the hospital doors. That's all Jaybird remembers, that there was just so many news people, everyone asking her about, you know, what were these people like? What was her week in captivity like? And her parents were just so emotional. And then she had to be in the hospital for so long because she missed her adrenaline shots. And... Her dad insisted that they go to Darby's hometown with the whole family. So they go to the Darby's hometown and that was the first, she didn't even, she realized she didn't even know Darby's last name until she saw it etched on the gravestone. And she stood there, her dad stood there, her mom stood there. And Jay's dad said, take all the time you need. And Darby stood up and said goodbye to her mom's grave. And she took Jay's hand and they walked away. It's so sad, but it's been pretty good. This one, for how little space they had, like, I felt like I was snowed in the whole time. It's like a thriller movie. Yeah. Holy sh**. Are they turning this one into a movie, too? I hope so. If this doesn't get signed, I mean, I don't even... You might just act it out the whole thing. Yeah, let me do a one-woman show. Oh, okay. So it says Taylor Adams, the author of this book, he he did some directorial work before at a film festival i mean it feels like a film yeah. really that was good can we eat the oh the cake <laughs> the poke cake i forgot so this is what we do you poke holes all over it some big holes honey. i know okay hold on it's called a poke cake oh my god i'm so good i'm keeping that and then caramel I'm sure that's not gonna be too sweet yes how was this one? Did you enjoy it? It's like exhausting. It's like after a crazy thriller movie. Yeah. 
You're exhausted. Yeah, that's how I feel. Like I'm out of breath. Yeah. That's a lot of caramel, boo. You have to fill the holes with caramel. That's what they said. So then you fill these holes, and then you grab this thing called Cocoa Whip. Cocoa Whip? Oh, it's called Cocoa Whip. You get a good old spoon, and you spoon what it on top. The Just wait, okay? Oh my god. This is too much. It's fall, honey. Okay, there we go. Then you just smooth it over like this. This is the recipe, okay? Don't be hating on no recipe. Oh my god, what are you doing? You grab some pumpkin spice seasoning, and then you sprinkle it across. That's a lot. And then you grab chopped pecans, pecans and yes. you sprinkle this across. You grab a knife, and you cut them into the most delicious caramel-filled squares like this. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> this actually smells really good. Right? I'm so excited. It smells like fall. And then you just... Get a good piece. Don't get the corner. I love corners. Well, yeah, I'm gonna toss this one though because it doesn't have enough whipped cream. Oof. Oof. Beautiful. Do you see the caramel juicing oh, out of here? On. Oops. I gotta show them. Show them. Make a turn. Oh. Spin that. Oh, spin it. Spin it. Oh, spin it. Oh, twerk it. So this one is yours. <laughs> and then I will take this one. Doesn't it smell like fall though? This is, I mean, for how easy it was, how little ingredients it takes. Oh. What does that mean? So good. <laughs> So good! Oh my god! Oh my god, get it to your mom! Oh my god, oh no! It's like airy, but like cinnamony and crunchy. Oh my god! The cream, oh, so good! Mmm! You can caramel. Mmm! What's that? You want to do it? Mmm! Wow, it's so good! The cake is so fluffy! Good job! Yes! All right, guys, that's it for today's Baking a Mystery. I'm gonna, this was super easy. Just use a box of vanilla cake, add in 15 ounces of pumpkin puree, bake it until the toothpick comes out clean, then you poke holes, put some caramel drizzle, top it with whipped cream, pumpkin spice, chopped pecans. That's it, literally, that's it. So, I hope you guys enjoyed today's Baking a Mystery, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye.